Welcome, everybody, to a very, very, very special edition here of Reinvention Radio. As we come live to you on Blab on this Tuesday, if you listen to Reinvention Radio uh, live, you know that we broadcast live on Thursdays from 12 until 2 Pacific. And uh, what we like to do as we get the opportunity to get some special folks on is, uh, is certainly work with their schedules. And, well, Allison, we know you're a very, very, very busy person. So thanks for taking the time to be with us today and uh, happy to accommodate you here on a Tuesday uh, at 12 o'clock Pacific. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. I'm awesome. Here. Awesome. Awesome. And. Thank you, Michael, for uh, telling a little bird. And as you can see, this is kind of the fun stuff that we do here on Blab. And uh, <laughs> and it's interesting because, you know, reality is that this is still in beta. And it's I know you're a big proponent of spreading your message and reaching as many people as you possibly can. Uh, and so this is your first time actually uh, participating on a Blab uh, presentation, or right? I mean, this is your first time on Blab, yeah? It's my first time to Blab. It's Yay. my Blabbing experience. So thank you, Steve. Yeah, awesome. I, I could say something there, but I think just yeah. out of respect, I'll, I'll just leave that. I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> so for those who uh, who don't know you, you want to give us sort of the, uh, the Allison uh, version of who you are and what you do so that I don't completely just, you know, butcher it? Sure. Uh, well, let's see. I am a serial entrepreneur. I run a company called Allison Maslin International. We are a business coaching agency and we mentor business owners all over the world. Uh, I started in business at age 19 a few years ago and uh, I have built 10 uh, successful companies over the years. So, uh, definitely a little schizophrenic there, uh, and like all entrepreneurs are. And uh, now I feel like I do my best work, Steve, because I can give back all of the wisdom that I have gathered, uh, all the ups, all the downs, uh, so that I can share that with entrepreneurs. I have a team of coaches that work with me, and we are just rocking it out there helping entrepreneurs live their dreams. Nice, nice. And so take us back through some of those early endeavors, because, I mean, obviously, one of my favorite expressions, and perhaps you can speak to this a little bit, is one of my favorite expressions, and this actually comes from uh, my partner, Alex Mendoji, and, and you know Alex, right? Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that Alex says that I love is he says that version one is better than version none. You know, and, uh, and and I love that because that's kind of what we do as entrepreneurs is, I mean, we're always just kind of trying to do our own, whatever our version one is. And at 19 years of age, I mean, that's that's pretty early to start into the entrepreneurial space. So needless to say, that was your version one of, yeah. you know, whatever that endeavor was. What was that first uh, endeavor that you took on? Uh, well, and you have to remember back then, Steve, you didn't have a lot of younger people starting businesses. Now it's kind of the trend. So I think it's fantastic um, because people looked at me very strangely back then. Uh, but my first business uh, was started out uh, called Expressions by Allie. And I wrote personalized poems for birthdays and anniversaries, uh, you know, where I was in co a college student, so I was making 25 bucks a pop. Uh, but over time, you know, over the next several years, that actually morphed into a full service advertising and public relations firm uh, right here in San Diego called the Borelli Group. 
Interesting. So, so the whole metamorphosis there. So I skipped over several years, but yeah, that's how it started as a as a poet. So. Interesting. And so when you look back on that endeavor, was that in your mind? Was that a success? Would you have done things differently now that you're looking back on it? I mean, is that the type of business that you would actually start uh, again today if you had the opportunity to do so? L- look back on that first endeavor and kind of take us through then where your your mind is at as you look back on what you did when you were so, you know, so young. Right. Well, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I learned so much and actually changed the course of my life because, um, you know, I learned from my father who was a true, true entrepreneur and he built the largest chain of women's clothing stores in the United States, uh, uh, you know, starting off with one store in Kansas City. And so just being around him, I really took on that entrepreneurial spirit. And so he used to say to me, if someone asks you to do something and you feel like it's worthwhile, even if you don't know how to do it, just say yes, and then figure out how to do it. Mm. And so that's really how the ad agency came about. People just were, I don't need a poem, but do you do brochures? Do you buy radio? Do you buy television? You know, on, on and on. And I'd go, sure, and walk out of their office and just go, holy cow, I have no mm. idea how to do this. And I was great at building a business flying by the seat of my pants. We grew really fast. I made a lot of money. And then because I wasn't strategic in my planning, I didn't have a real blueprint in place, uh, everything kind of fell apart. And especially me, I was doing everything. I had a team, but I really didn't know how to be a leader at that time. And I uh, had a terrible car accident. And it was a huge wake-up call for me to just go, wait a minute. This is not working. I'm making money, but I'm miserable. And there's got to be a better way. And so um, it was great learning for me, really what set the course in building my other businesses much more strategically, but also learning marketing, you know, running an ad agency and learning marketing in my early 20s has helped me tremendously in every other business that I've run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so talk about that exit. What was that exit like off of that first business? Did it just, did you just end up because of your leadership? Yeah, I mean, obviously you were still trying to figure out the whole leadership thing and how to run a business. And you were so young. I mean, even as things began to progress, I mean, when you come right down to it, even in your twenties, I mean, you're still really young in the, in the scheme of things. Although you did speak earlier to the fact that people are starting businesses younger and younger nowadays because of technology and being able to do so. But what was, what was that exit? Was it, a, was it a crash and burn? Were you able to sell? What, what happened with, the, with that first endeavor? Well, you know, I did crash and burn. Um, I, had a, I actually ran over myself with my car, Steve. So mm-hmm. um, it was, <laughs> uh, that can happen and I survived. So uh, that was a huge wake up call for me. But, uh, you know, I couldn't just walk out. I had clients. Ben and Jerry's was a client. Uh, Charlotte Roos, you know, who has many stores across the country, super cuts. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't just bail. And I had a partner. And so it took us probably about a year to put everything in place so that I could actually exit the business. And that was, you know, that was a good lesson for me, too. You know, you have to finish, follow things through. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but. Uh, I it was it was a time for me to really get clear what I was passionate about, 
What were my values? What was I aligned with? Because the marketing business was great, but to me it was all about money. And uh, money is important in business. Of course, we need to have a profitable business, but I knew that there needed to be something more for me that was a deeper connection and more rewarding personally. And, uh, and so I ended up discovering homeopathy, homeopathic medicine, uh, in my own healing back then. And I ended up going back to school, becoming a homeopathic physician, and then going on and building uh, a, one of the largest homeopathic colleges in the country, homeopathic mm. academy. So it was going from ad exec to homeopath. I mean, people wow. flipped my lid for sure. And so for those who don't know what that is, what homeopathic medicine is and th that whole world, just kind of give us a, a quick overview of what that is. Yeah. So I didn't know either at the time. I mean, I grew up in middle America. So homeopathy is a system of medicine that is natural and it's been around for 200 years. It actually comes out of Germany and it treats the physical, the mental, and the emotional, pretty much anything you would go to the doctor for. Um, the homeopathic remedies have been FDA approved since 1938. And there were many homeopathic hospitals in the United States um, at the turn of the century until antibiotics came on the scene. Um, but it's, it's real. I mean, I, I don't practice anymore because we're so busy doing these other things. But for 20 years, I saw clients and it's, it's miraculous. So uh, because of homeopathy, I have the energy uh, to sustain, uh, you know, the crazy lifestyle that I have right now. So, yeah. And uh, among other things, you, uh, you like to fly around on, on trapeze and do your flips and stuff. Are you still doing that fun stuff? I go every single week uh, up to Woodland Hills. I train with the five generation circus family. Um, and uh, I've got a lot of professional flyers there, people from Cirque du Soleil and, uh, yeah, I mean, next lifetime, that that's what, you know, I'll be doing full time. And, and flyer is the term. So that, that's what we call someone who is a trapeze artist. We call them flyers. Uh, well, you say that I'm going flying, you know, like who doesn't <laughs> want to fly, right? So yeah. it's really trapeze artists. I got gotcha. you. Interesting. And so that's it brings up an interesting point, which is that whole sort of work life balance. And as an entrepreneur, I mean, it's really easy to get kind of caught up in that whole just work, work, work mentality. I mean, there's always something to do. There's always another client to serve. There's always, you know, I mean, there's there's always something on the plate. How do you balance running? I mean, your business, which is I mean, a, a, it's a successful business with actually doing things outside of, you know, the four walls of, of your office building. I'm in my office right now, if you can see. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I mean, that earlier business, I crashed and burned, like I said. And I was working night and day. My daughter was really young back then. And uh, I, that was it when I said I, I was making money, but I was driving by people that were at the beach going, how do they do that? <laughs> like, mm. I want to do that. And so I made a decision early on. I just took my life back. And so uh, I have, I love my business. My business is my passion and big part of my life. But like I was just in the mountains for the weekend, uh, took four days with my husband in Idlewild. I go trapezing every single week. Uh, I really uh, take good care of myself. I do a lot of self-care uh, and it makes me a much more uh, focused 
uh, business owner and also one that is filled with joy and having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. Life's too short to be working 24-7. Even if you love what you do, it is not healthy. Yeah. And talk a little bit about the sort of the you, you glossed over, it, but I don't want to lose sight of, of what was a pretty huge sentence there. Did you say that your your father started one of the largest uh, retail chains? Is it, you said that, right? Yes. What, so so he, what was that? What, what did he do and how were you involved with that growing up? So my grandfather had the first store in Kansas City. It was called Maslin's. And then they won the second store in a poker game. In Tulsa, <laughs> and this is actually such a great, um, just to give you an example of, of the business acumen that I grew up with. So they go to the store that was supposed to be this failing store, reach women's clothing store in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was, where I eventually was born and grew up. And what they realized that the reason that the store was failing was that she, the owner, was not buying appropriately for the market. And so she wasn't speaking directly to the market. And, and my father and my grandfather knew that they could make the store successful by buying clothes that the uh, you know, community in Oklahoma would want to buy. And so they took that and, uh, you know, eventually it was it was just my father, but over over 50 stores in the United States. And um, there were several chains, but the main ones were Stewart's and uh, Extension One, which was kind of like um, kind of like the limited. Mm. Uh, but it was really the first of its kind. And it was it, he was my dad was so innovative. Uh, and mm -hmm. he wasn't afraid of trying new things. He was a big risk taker. And so I just saw that by example was that if you want something, go make it happen. Yeah. And that's a super tough business to make money. And I mean, just it's a very competitive market. The margins can be very thin depending on which area you decide to compete in. Did that kind of give you some insight in terms of what you wanted to do and what you didn't want to do as an entrepreneur? I knew I didn't want to be in the women's ready to wear business, which we call the Shranta business. Definitely. It's a very competitive business. I mean, it changed a lot over the years. You know, then you had the retailers like Ross and Mervins and come in and a lot of knockoffs and things uh, that people were doing. Uh, but I mean, I learned so much about, cause I run brick and mortar stores. I coach people who have brick and mortar stores, not just online businesses and I learned so much about merchandising, uh, about marketing, about, I mean, you know, running computers even back then. We had this massive computer that probably did, you know. Right. The size of the office there probably, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, running teams. I mean, he had over a thousand employees. So wow. there's just so much that I learned. He didn't, you know, he didn't even really have to tell me. I just learned by being around that. Mm -hmm. And so was there a, a happy ending for that endeavor? Was he able to sell and get bought by someone and kind of live happily ever after as the entrepreneur, you know, hopefully is able to? Or was there or was that another crash and burn? As well, far as yeah, he ran the business for over 30 years. So I would say that that was truly successful. I mean, we, re we lived a nice life. Uh, when it was time for me to set on my way, my dad said, you're on your own. You have to build this on your own. I'm not giving you a dime, which 
was the best thing that could ever happen because it made me hungry to mm. want to be successful. Um, towards the end, it was kind of tough. My dad lost his wife to cancer. Uh, you know, just numerous things happened. And then, as I said, you know, you had your Mervins and Ross and it definitely changed the industry. He was offered to buy uh, limited wanted to buy from him uh, for many, many millions of dollars. And he said no, because it was his whole life, you know, mm. imagine. And that that happens a lot with entrepreneurs. They sell their business and then they buy it back because, you know, that's you know, they can't imagine someone else doing it. So my dad really did that, ran that business till almost the very end. I mean, he passed away uh, a year ago and, uh, you know, he was still in retail, still doing deals. Uh, he, wow. was definitely, he was incredible. He, he was giving me business advice. I'm not kidding you until the very end. <laughs> I, uh, I miss him dearly. Yeah, no, I'm sure I'm sorry for your loss there. It's probably still, I mean, yeah, you guys were probably incredibly close. And I mean, that's, yeah, I get it. So talk a little bit about the the DNA then, because it sounds like being an entrepreneur is kind of in the DNA, right? I mean, do you, first of all, do you feel as though you were a natural born entrepreneur? And then do you think that entrepreneurs can be made or are they just simply born and you either are or you aren't? Uh, I was definitely born an entrepreneur. I think I came out of the womb as an entrepreneur uh, just because that was the whole energy of my life. Mm. However, I do feel that entrepreneurs can be made. I mean, mm. some people are definitely not meant to be entrepreneurs. I mean, it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would, would do it. I work hard. Uh, but I, I, and I work harder than I probably would if I had a job, but I love it. You know, I mean, I do it for the love of doing it. Mm -hmm. In fact, Walt Disney has a great quote and it's, uh, we make money, we make movies to make money to make more movies mm -hmm. and you have to do it for the love of, of what you do. And that's really what drives me. But I've worked with many uh, individuals who decided to become an entrepreneur, to set their own course, to you know create their own lifestyle, their own structure, and they've been extremely successful. Um, I think the tough part is when you come from a, a real strong corporate background and that's all you've done, where you have a structure set for you, someone telling you what you can do and you make this certain amount, I think it's very hard. I mean, definitely people do it and I've coached uh, many that have, but I see that they struggle more with making that transition than somebody just even living in their car. Mm. So, yeah. Were there points in your career where you were just kind of sitting there thinking like, damn, I should just go get a job. Like, uh, it, like it would be so much easier to just go and get a paycheck and just, you know, let, let me just go work for somebody. Oh, totally. Are you kidding me? Like I would be at Starbucks going, I wonder how hard it would be to be a barista. <laughs> no, I mean, you have those moments, you know, and we still have those moments today. I mean, come on, you know, stuff happens all the time that you don't expect. And yeah. I think after being in business for so many years now, I'm re really resilient. Like there's not a lot that can throw me. I might, you know, I'm, I'm, sensitive and I'm care, I care, I'm passionate, but I'm like, you know, once I have my moment of 60 seconds of freak out, then I, I go, I get into solution mode going, okay, 
what do we need to do and what can we learn from this? What system can we put in place so that this doesn't happen again? Yeah. So th those are really, really good questions to ask in the time of, you know, of just, I mean, those challenging times. Go through those questions again. So, so you're in the middle of this firestorm and it's really hard to see anything. But once you get past just like that, you know, that shit storm or whatever is going on there, what were the questions you asked yourself? What can we learn from this? What, what were the others? There were a couple of really good questions there. Right. So, uh, well, uh, you know, first of all, what went wrong? Where was the hole in the system? How could this have possibly happened? And instead of getting into blaming mode, it doesn't work, especially if you have a team, you, it just, it doesn't work. Uh, first, you, you do have to have people take responsibility, but it's more in a way of, okay, uh, where is the hole that we can fill with another step we missed, or do we need to get another person in here to handle this, or do we need to, you know, just get rid of it all and start over? Uh, and so we look for the solution. You're always like a detective in business looking for the solution to have it work out better next time. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you learn the lesson so that you don't repeat that mistake again, because that's the real bummer. Yeah, I mean the definition of insanity, right? I mean it just kind of goes back to to all of that. So talk to talk to us a little bit about. And, and by the way, guys, thanks thanks so much for joining us here. If you're just joining us, it's a very special episode of Reinvention Radio uh, here live on Blab with Allison Maslin. So really do appreciate uh, you tuning in. As you can see, we got the chat roll going there. And so if you have uh, a question, uh, certainly a business question, uh, as we're reinventing business wealth here. Uh, with Allison Maslin, please use the uh, the chat roll, or as Richard just did, uh, you can use the forward slash capital Q, and that'll pop in as a question uh, on the roll there that we both can see. So Allison, Richard actually did have a question, uh, and I think he's specifically talking about uh, maybe what what was that instance that you uh, are referring to in terms of what went wrong. Oh, can you I speak mean, to a specific? You know, there can be things that happen all of the time. I mean, um, you know, it could be a deadline, a, a super important deadline that was missed that, you know, because what happens is your business grows. You cannot be in every single area of your business, nor do you want to. If you are, then you're keeping yourself small. So there's a point where you really have to delegate and you have to put people in charge of things. So, but you can't just delegate and not inspect what you expect. So um, it was a, a situation where, uh, you know, a task was forgotten and it was a really important one. So um, it could be, um, it could be that, uh, you know, I had one time where I, uh, I told uh, somebody to, um, to renew all of my GoDaddy, uh, or domains. not, I renew a few of the domains that had come up for renewal. And they got on there and re renewed every single domain that I have ever uh, purchased, which I'm always buying them. Mm. And for five years, and we, it was many thousands of dollars. <laughs> we could not get, I mean, we tried everything to get it refunded, which is a whole other story. Um, I mean, you've had, you know, people quitting at right before a big event. 
Um, you know, I mean, I have an incredible team that I'm super proud of and we have the best time, but sometimes you're going to hire somebody that's not a fit. Yeah. Um, you know, I was doing an interview the other day and our internet went down. And so I'm on a Skype interview, literally running around this office with a computer, trying to find a plug to get my, um, you know, hotspot working. And mm -hmm. you know, it's just yeah, right? yeah it, it brings up a couple of really interesting questions. And first and foremost, how do you talk? I mean, how do you address this? I mean, it's sort of that, you know, in your business, on your business conundrum that, you know, so many entrepreneurs really struggle with, right? But the question is, how can you delegate when you can't really afford to delegate? Like, you know, it's that whole chicken and egg thing. Yeah. What, what, and I know you work with lots and lots and lots of entrepreneurs. So what's, and I know this probably has come up, you know, endless numbers of, of times over the years. What do you, what do you tell them? Well, it's actually not the chicken and egg. I, I totally get what you're saying, but um, it's actually when you hire somebody and I'll get to the affording to hire in a second, but when you hire someone, if they're the right person, your revenue should really take a big leap. Uh, almost, you know, it can triple. I mean, you know, the, the years that the more people I've hired, my revenue goes up a lot more. So you have to look beyond the expense and look at the opportunity of what that's going, you know, how that's going to support you uh, in revenue and pr productivity and all of that. So, um, you know, I was a single mom, Steve, for 12 years and yeah. I was running lots of businesses. I didn't have anyone supporting me. I didn't have any financing. It wasn't like today where you have all these investors and so forth, which, you know, I'm more of a believer, just go get customers instead of, you know, borrowing all this money. Um, but uh, so what I would do is I'd hire someone and I'd say, look, I don't really have much money to pay you right now but I really believe in what I'm doing. And if you can get behind this vision with me and just hang in there with me, like for a month, 30 days, and we can get this engine going. And if you can help me do it, then I'm going to have the money to pay you. And so I just got people on board that really believed in, uh, you know, the, the mission and the vision of the impact that we were making with the company. And, uh, and so, you know, within 30 days, if they're the right person and they're, you know, really on board to make it happen, they will, you know, help it grow. And I mean, I did a lot of praying and I, I had some sleepless nights and all of that, but, um, I just, you know, I, you know, I've, I've been faced with big stresses in business. I mean, owing hundreds of thousands of dollars for just big risks and things that I took when the money wasn't there. Uh, you know, even times where I was like shaking my purse up and down to, you know, try to get some change out for a cup of coffee. Mm. I always knew that it would always, it would work out. It would always come around that we would, uh, you know, if you're passionate enough and you just keep telling enough people about what you're doing, that it's just going to be successful. And it always has come around. Even if you would have looked at it on paper, you would have gone, how is this going to work out? But mm -hmm. it always, always does. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Shannon actually has a question uh, that's kind of dancing in the space here, which is, you know, what do you look for in quality team members? Uh, well, we're hiring four people now, so it's definitely in my headspace. 
Uh, well, of course, you you know you want the skills set for whatever the role is. I mean, if it's you know bookkeeping, they need to know bookkeeping, uh, and they need to have a, a good reputation and, and all of those things. But really, what I'm looking for first and foremost is attitude. Mm. You know, passion, excitement, enthusiasm. They're a team player. Uh, that's number one because even if they don't have all of the skill, uh, I'll pay for education. I want the right person that I know is hungry, that wants to contribute, that really believes in what we're doing. That's really key for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so talk then about the other side of the equation there, which is how do you know when it's time to cut the rope with somebody? There is a saying and it's called hire slowly, fire fast. Mm. And I know that sounds like really cold, uh, but the truth is if it's time to let somebody go, they're not feeling like it's a fit either. And it's kind of like pulling off the Band-Aid, you know, when you're ending a relationship, you can let it drag on, but you're really keeping that person from finding, you know, their own joy. Uh, and so it's, it's the toughest thing I think in business. And my dad used to tell me that as well, um, that it was his least favorite thing to do. Uh, but he, he gave me a really good, good advice, um, towards the end of his life. Cause it was one thing I talked to him about. I said, you know, people have a hard time finding the right people. And he said, you know, they're out there. You just have to have patience and train them well. Mm-hmm. It's true. But if you go through all of that and it is just not a fit, don't wait months and months on end because it's costing your company probably six to 10 times the salary that you're paying to have the wrong person. And it's bringing the morale down of the rest of the company. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you've experienced before if you've let someone go and it been kind of toxic and then you find out afterwards that it was way worse than you even knew. Uh, you know, we had a situation I had to let someone go and I found out some of my key people were about to quit because this person was causing them so much, um, you know, unhappiness, really. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to really stay in tune with with what's going on. And if you're not getting the performance and you've really given them the training and it's not a fit, then you just need to you need to let them go. It's time. Yeah. It's time to, to cut that rope. Exactly. Okay. Well, you know, really, really, really good, good advice there. And one of the things that I have found over the years is that you can actually leverage capital in a way to, I mean, quickly build a business. And then of course there's the double-edged sword there of now you're going to owe people money that you've got to pay back. So it puts another level of pressure on running a business. But um, under what circumstances would you recommend that people raise capital, if any? Uh, Well, you know, in all of my businesses, only one time did I need to do that. So that's, you know, nine times I did not. I'm really more of a fan of go out and get customers. And, uh, you know, you can grow a business very fast that way. Um, I think that people often feel like that you have to do that, but you have to remember that if you have investors, oftentimes they own a percentage of your company and you do have to pay them and interest and they have, you know, oftentimes decision-making power and you think you're running your business, but you're really, you know, you're answering to other people that can make those decisions for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, if you're, 
buying products overseas uh, and you've got, you know, big expenses with, uh, you know, ship ex import export um, or you're in a situation that you've got to bring on 100 employees like stat. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a little harder to move that fast. But, yeah. you know, in general, I mean, even with Steve Jobs in the beginning, you know, he didn't get a bunch of financing. He went out and sold computers. Yeah, I believe it was um, Sergey Brin that said that uh, sales solves all problems, at least as far as, uh, you know, business is concerned anyway. <laughs> it does, and in so many ways, because number one, if you really believe that your product and service is, in, is the best, then you're going to want to get it into everybody's hands. And so if you're not selling, nobody's benefiting from your genius, number mm. one. But if the cash is coming in, it definitely helps to, you know, the, the team is in a better morale. The CEO is in a better morale and sleeping better, mm. uh, you know, and all of those things. But I think you've got to focus on revenue every day. I mean, you really have to be open for business every day. And I think this is, or I know that this is one area, a big shortfall of a lot of entrepreneurs is they get into the making of the product uh, the dream of it, but you've really got to focus on driving revenue every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the people that, cause you do, you do a lot of events, right? And so actually you have an event coming up, don't you? What, when's your next event? Uh, January 22nd to the 24th in San Diego. It's the blast off business breakthrough. It's our fifth year of hosting this event and we've got just about 500 uh, business owners flying in as we wow. are going to help them build their blueprint uh, for the entire year of 2016. So, wow, that's that's yeah, that's incredible. And just um, so I, I mean, let's find out where, where do people go to find out about that event specifically? Uh, well, you just go to blastoffevent2016.com. Okay. BlastoffEvent2016.com, and uh, Steve, I'm going to get a, give everybody that's listening to this today a little secret that no one knows about is promo code uh, for $200 off. So the promo, awesome, yeah, the promo code is success. So it's, appropriately so, <laughs> yeah, it is. So BlastoffEvent2016.com. Okay. Awesome. No, that's that's great. So talk to talk to me a little bit about the types of people that you work with, because, I mean, you've worked with people that are really just sort of in the embryonic stages of just trying to figure stuff out. And then people who have businesses that really just want to keep keep growing. What ideally, if you could draw up like your ideal client, you know, whatever that sort of sweet spot is for you, where is that person right now? And what do they come to you for? So we tend to work with business owners, people that have a business, um, although my event and some of our products really do help startups to figure out the what and, you know, and how to, how to monetize it. But our, tend, our sweet spot is working with business owners that have been in business for a few years. Um, they do get what it takes to be an entrepreneur, and we really uh, help them put that whole strategic plan together and then hold their hand basically and walk them through all levels of business from the revenue streams to the marketing, to the sales, to uh, hiring and <clears throat> the money side, all of that. Um, and 
And we have business owners that we work with year, you know, they just keep coming back year after year. I have a, a mastermind called The Pinnacle, and we're in our sixth year. And uh, we have over 100 uh, business owners from all over the world in that program that, wow. you know, uh, and then we have a team of coaches that are, you know, my team. They're incredible. And we all work together. And it's um, it's it's amazing. It's it's so rewarding, I'm sure, as you know, to see when people have a dream and see it to, you know, materialize. Uh, you know, I have one of my clients who is uh, has a is a designer and he makes these very unique uh, products that go on walls for high end uh, designers. And he has just been asked to help design the suite for uh, for Oprah's show. Wow. Um, you know, so just, you know, so many things like that, that it's uh, it's so far beyond the money for me. It's really seeing uh, all of the blood, sweat and tears turn into this, you know, beautiful realization. Yeah. And so. It's almost 2016. I mean, we're we're here at the beginning part of December, but I mean, we're we're really getting close. And I mean, just like it's like right there, you know, yeah. January 1st is is literally like right around the corner. Yeah. What are some of the things that folks should be thinking about in order to set themselves up for just an amazing 2016? So I think that. Oftentimes what happens is we just run and set goals for the next year and we don't look back at the year and really analyze everything that you did and what really worked and what didn't. Uh, and, and I don't mean just, um, you know, how many clients did you get and how much money that you made? I mean, you have to really look at that to, to set your benchmarks for next year. Uh, but also, uh, look at the, the projects that you did, the marketing campaigns, and look at the numbers, really do the analysis. Um, you know, as, as a business owner, if you are working with your team members, really look at each of their roles and see, you know, how productive were they, how responsive were they, um, so that you can then make the right decisions moving forward. I mean, what were the activities that you love the most? You know, if you're if you're working in your business and it feels like a job, then you've got some real changes to make because mm -hmm. your business should lift you up and excite you. Mm -hmm. So how can you shift into that position uh, in 2016? And what can you delegate or automate to uh, so that you can really focus on the vision of the company and being that brand and being out there and building those key uh, relationships. So once you analyze all those things, then you can begin your planning uh, for 2016. Um, or you could just come to my event, Glass uh, Off, and we'll help you do that. But mm -hmm. um, I think look back first, find out what didn't work, what did work, and then make those tweaks moving forward. So what, as you look back on the last year then, what has been the one thing that you've really enjoyed most? And what's the one thing that if you can, I mean, if you had your druthers, you just absolutely positively would not be doing that again in 2016? Sure. Um, you know, I'm constantly asking myself that question. I, I probably ask myself that question every week, Steve, because new things come in 
all the time. And one of the things I love is that every day is different in this business. I mean, we coach business owners in every industry that you could possibly imagine. So it's not like we're just coaching realtors or financial people. And so, um, you know, it's you have to really stay on your toes. And um, and that's, you know, I love that. I love that diversity. But I'm always thinking of what, how can I take this off my plate? How can I take this off my plate, which is can elevate me more into the role of running this company? Um, and so um, I think that one of the things that came up for me, because I travel a lot and I speak, especially when I'm on the road promoting the event Blast Off that's coming up. And after the sixth city in a row, and my flight got canceled in Phoenix, and I hadn't slept for many hours. Uh, I called my COO and I said, this isn't working for me anymore. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. no, I, I don't want to be on the road as much as I have been. Mm -hmm. And we're doing so many other things now like this, where we can really reach people that I'm not have, needing to hop on an airplane. I do. I like to see my husband every once in a while. Um, I do love to speak and I do love to travel, but it's it's been quite a, a a heavy pace there. So that that is a change for me in 2016 that I will be cutting back on that. Yeah, and you know it's interesting, right? Because there are a lot of people who want to do events, and you've been doing these events for quite some time. And there's a lot of brain damage that goes into creating an event that has, you know, more than you and your mom and your sister and your brother there. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of work to get others who's, you know, especially those who don't know you to decide to come to wherever you are and stay in a hotel. And I mean, really just invest that time with you. So for those who are thinking about doing events, I mean, 500 people, and I know you've done this now for years, and I know you've always had, you know, hundreds of people there, you know, at these events. What are some of the strategies around filling events that you can share? Uh, well, first of all, speaking is one of the ways, speaking at other people's events. And let me just say, I actually really do love that. And I, one of my favorite things is meeting the entrepreneurs in person. There's nothing like the face-to-face. -face. With all the technology that we have, the relationship just goes so much further, so much faster when you're in person. So I would say one of the things to do is just, I mean, people are always looking for speakers at their, you know, group meetings or their conferences and things like that. And that's really one of the best ways to become recognized. Um, and just, you know, educate, educate, educate. And then we're constantly searching, you know, uh, online for different events and, and things to participate. I actually have someone on my team that that is all they do. Uh, but we do, uh, you know, we do webinars. We do live casts uh, almost every single month. Uh, we're mm -hmm. constantly giving out, uh, you know, a lot of content. So I've had people on my list for years and years uh, that have been learning all of these business strategies. And so you know, many people just continue to come to the event over and over. But we, I mean, we do Facebook ads. We do, um, you know, we do a lot on, on YouTube. Uh, we sponsor other events as well. Mm. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, I had you on my show. In fact, gosh, how many years ago was that? That was like five. Yeah. Like, you know, ancient times. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was great. Um, and so 
as you look then at 2016, what, I mean, what's got you most excited as you look forward? Uh, well, let's see. We uh, are, our team is probably the most exciting for me because our clients are doing so well. I mean, they're, they're like tripling and quadrupling their revenue. And so I invest an incredible amount of time in training my team. They're incredible business owners in their own right, but we get together every single week. Uh, I have four coaches on my team and we go through every client and we really give them uh, the best support. So that, that's what I'm most jazzed about. I just really love the relationship with our clients. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, we have a, a live cast show that we're doing uh, and it will be every single week in 2016. I'm, I'm super excited about that nice. in our own studio that we have built and I've invested in all of the latest camera, you know, this and that and uh, have a team. Uh, so that's a ton of fun. Uh, and uh, we're, I've got a couple other businesses that we're launching in 2016 later in the year um, and so there'll be some news on that as well. Oh, fun, fun. So as you look back on your entrepreneur endeavors, as you look back on, you know, this career of yours, what what are some of the regrets? Any any one particular regret that uh, that really comes to mind? Not in business, probably relationships, Steve, but that's a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, sure, you know, when you make mistakes, you wish you had done it differently. But, you know, when I look back at it, I it's really what's made me stronger and wiser. And mm. I embrace the failures because that's how I have grown. You know, I would say that you have to be relentless as a business owner. And uh, you, you just cannot back down. And I think that's the human spirit. Uh, that's what, you know, keeps me growing and evolving as a human being. So, you know, if, if it was just like fairy tale all the time, I think I probably would get bored. I, I actually really like the challenge. So... Yeah. And I mean, as we look to, to wrap here and if anybody has any other questions uh, that they want to drop in the chat there, you can do the forward slash capital Q here on Blab or just uh, drop it in the uh, the chat roll there. But what, uh, what what's that one piece of, uh, of business advice that uh, that you got over the years? It just kind of I mean, it kind of rings like someone just said it to you yesterday. What, what, what's that best piece of a business advice that you've that you've ever received? Well, you know, earlier on, I had a lot of people telling me I was crazy and that I would fail and that what I was doing would never work. And luckily for me, I'm super stubborn and that just, you know, I dug my heels in more. Uh, but what I told myself back then, what the advice that I had received and then what I, what I tell business owners is, uh, Steve, that you just put your head towards that dream and you walk towards it every single day and you don't let anyone tell you it can't be done. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I had another question, but I think in the scheme of things, that's probably about as good a, a note as we could possibly end on. If people want to find out more information uh, about you, where's the best place they should go? Uh, just go to my website, which is alisonmaslin.com. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you can actually email uh, us directly at support at allisonmaslin.com. Awesome. And again, it's Blast Off Event 2016. So Blast Off Event 2016.com. And you can use the promo code of success and get 200 bucks off of that. And I know that's an amazing event and hundreds of uh, entrepreneurs, you know, from around the world come in for that to San Diego. And that's January. What are the dates again? One more time, please. 22nd to the 24th. 22nd through the 24th. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Any parting wisdom for, uh, for our uh, entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who want to reinvent business wealth? Uh, that want to, yes, I have a really good one. It is this make decisions from where you're going not from where you're at. So get clear in your mind where you want to be. Uh, you know, close your eyes, get that real clear vision, and then think bigger than you could ever imagine, like triple that. Then if you were there right now, what decisions would you make for your marketing, your hiring? Who are the people that you would surround yourself with? And begin making decisions and actions from that place. Don't worry about how it's going to come together because it just will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, and make decisions from where you're going, not from where you're at. Awesome. All right. Well, Allison, it's uh, it's always an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. And I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to be here on this very special episode of Reinvention Radio. And uh, again, just keep up the amazing work. I know you're an inspiration to me and an inspiration to many. So just uh, keep that up and uh, we'll talk really, really soon. 